0: Listening to First Church Charlotte. Hello, everyone. My name is Nathan. It is my honor to spend a few moments with you. We are continuing our series looking at things of the Spirit in terms of what is the nature of evil, what is the work of our adversary. That's what the word um, Satan means adversary. Uh, how do forces of evil work in the earth? And how do we as believers push back against those things? And instead of manifesting the work of the enemy, uh, Satan, our adversary, we manifest the heart of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, our title tonight is simply this, Spiritual Warfare, Really? <laughs> I actually think I've used that uh, title before. And the reason why I like it so much is the number one response I get from people, not with their mouth, but with their expression in their eyes. Whenever you start talking about spiritual things, it's almost like they look at you like, really? Like they don't know where you're going with this. And there's this little bit of, uh, oh my word, <laughs> I don't know where this is going. And you get that in their expression. And so I wanna say actually, yes, a spiritual warfare is real. It's just not Hollywood-esque. <laughs> spiritual warfare is real. It's just not dramatic like some horror movie. You know, people watch uh, The Exorcist and they watch The Shining or something like that. And they think that's what we're talking about. That is most definitely not uh, what we're talking about. That is entertainment. It is done by people who uh, look at sacred texts to find entertaining plots. They don't look at them to understand them. Uh, they usually have no desire to understand them because they don't believe them. And what they're looking for is entertainment value. Now, there are some religious people like that, but I I don't think that is uh, really something we're dealing with right now. Um, We very much want to read sacred texts with understanding, not for entertainment entertainment value. So we wanna think biblical truth. So with that established, um, how should we think about evil reflecting upon uh, sacred scripture? Uh, The first thing I would say is this, evil begins in attraction and it ends in recruitment. I'm gonna say that again because it's heavy with conceptual insight and I want you to have a moment to understand it. Evil exists and it begins with attraction, but it doesn't end with attraction. It ends with recruitment where our hearts are now in league with evil doers, evil ways, evil values. So uh, let's drill down a little bit here. Evil doesn't start with evil, it just doesn't. Um, it starts with attraction. Um, more than that, how, how, how does it attract, we should ask. Uh, if it starts with attraction, what are, what are the moving parts of it, so to speak? What is being attractive? Well, evil starts with self. Uh, our individual desires, wants, wishes, our exaltation, our desire for dominance, our desire to be first, our desire to be served rather than to serve. It all begins in the self, and this is shown uh, in the scripture uh, in, a, in a in a very deep and profound way that speaks to all generations. Um, it all starts when we reject any higher ju- justice than our own, and we reject any higher truth than our own truth. We, as it were, rather than having a heart of submission to God as, a, uh, a sort of way a calling an ideal how we should live is there meaning beyond my wants is there purpose beyond my lusts am i just a beast or is there within me the spark of the divine Now, all that's a somewhat poetic way of talking about uh, god within now let me read paul because this is essential to understand, and I'm actually gonna read from the Amplified Bible because it adds uh, commentary in a few places that helps us understand. So Romans 1 or 21, for even though they knew God as the creator, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. For what? For the gift of their life, for creation, for what he had given them when he, created them they did not allow god his place on the contrary they became worthless in their thinking godless with pointless reason, reasonings and silly speculations and their foolish heart was darkened so uh, let me let me uh, as it were review this they started out knowing god not in the manner of a friend so to speak but in the manner of creator uh, but they did not honor him, and they did not have a heart of thanksgiving and worship as a result of that. So they became worthless in their thinking, uh, godless, pointless, meaningless, and their foolish heart was darkened. So we as inheritors of a fallen nature, we as sinners all, um, uh, we, we live as those who are deceived, and we seek meaning through service to self. In other words, there's a right way to live. That's what Paul's talking about. And all of us have a sense of conscience within us. This is a revolutionary idea at this moment, uh, Paul's writing this. Um, this is not something that he is pulling, you know, uh, from the ideas of rabbinical teaching or the like. This is very much a coming together of much, uh, it's very unique to the ministry of Paul um and if you if you want to understand that better uh read chapter 3 of the book entitled dominion uh the most beautiful writing i've ever read on how paul is pulling together these influences all right moving along <laughs> and so uh, we seek meaning through service to self we had a a conscience within us we had a an ability to know god or at least perceive the fact that we are the most fabulous creation that we can imagine. And uh, it did not emerge from a slime pit, but there was a spark of divinity upon it. Um, And so (laughs) we turn away from that and we think we, the self is um, the highest truth, the highest justice, and we serve ourself. And the problem with that is the self is never satisfied, never ever satisfied. The result of which self and pleasing the self is this type of A ceaseless addiction. Needs a fix, the fix doesn't satisfy. Needs a fix, the fix doesn't satisfy. This will make me happy, that'll make me happy. He'll make me happy, she'll make me happy. Need a fix, the fix doesn't satisfy. 10 years, what are they gonna be doing? A fix that doesn't satisfy, a fix that doesn't fix. 20 years, what are they gonna be doing? A fix that doesn't fix. This is the frustration of being trapped in slavery to please something that cannot uh, be pleased. And so service of self, uh, it takes everything from us, but not immediately because this is the path of sin, service to self. This is the way of sin. That's why Genesis and the Genesis story is told the way it is. As strong believers, you need to get this. You need to understand it because the the, the work of Jesus Christ and the teaching of the New Testament will never make so much sense as it does when you begin understanding this and it begins to emerge the progressive revelation of God uh, to, to humankind. So service of self is to be slaves to sin and uh, self and its ceaseless lust takes everything from us. Sin takes everything from us, but not immediately. Slowly, ever so slowly, we slide into hell. So of everything we lose trying to satisfy the insatiable self, of everything that is taken from us, the most tragic loss is our capacity for real love because the self slowly strips our ability to both receive and give love. We are being deformed by, by sin. Why? Because self, that, that inner narcissist within us is in its ceaseless wants and wishes and desire to dominate and desire to have it is like a, this is a dramatic illustration, but I think it's helpful. Uh, it's like a medieval doctor who thinks to w- the way to save love is to keep bleeding it. <laughs> and pretty soon this medieval doctor bleeds it to death. It's almost as though <laughs> selfishness and a life of selfishness kills the capacity of love out of sheer stupidity you don't see it as sin, it's just self. Me, 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 uh, me. And so uh, we live a life of give me, fix me, serve me. And then we wonder why we destroy all of our love-based relationship. So you should know this, real evil emerges out of the uncontrolled self and the uncontrolled lusts wants wishes and desires for dominance that are within the uncontrolled self. This is how, this is how we become allied with evil. It didn't start with, let's choose evil, but this path of sin and the uncontrolled self is how good people, well, at least, shall we say, people of good faith in their initial errors, they end up in league with evil. It wasn't so intentional. The serpent doesn't ask Eve, hey, would you like to try to be on the bad guys team? (laughs) Would you like to try to pull down all that is good and exalt all that is ugly? No, that's not how it starts. Um, The the, the path was unintentional and uh, we don't see all the way to the end of the journey. Uh, we simply exalt the self and humble God. We remove God from his place. Remember Romans one, they did not honor God in his role. They they knew that they were creation. They felt divinity within them. Their own conscience gave them connection to the internal, but they didn't honor God as God and they looked inward. And so this is how uh, evil, evil begins uh, rather than um, humbling self and exalting God, what they actually did was exalted self and ended up with contempt for God. Uh, And this is the beginning of the story. But we are deformed by sin. It started with this maddening urge to fill the black hole within of me, 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 me. That deforms us, It, it hardens us. And soon the soul that began by, you know, exalting self and, and, and humbling God, exalting my truth and humbling God's truth, uh, that's where it began. <clears throat> it now deformed and ceaseless in its desire to satisfy that which is insatiable, the self. Um, it now becomes cynical. It started with just exalting self, but it was deformed, and now it tramples on other people, their needs, their rights, their pain, and now it's not simply selfishness. It is now uh, intentional, organized, cynical, evil. Now that same person is a predator, an opportunist, self-justified, self-indulged, and self-righteous. Yes, I'm reading because this is a book that I am trying to get done before the end of the year. Uh, uh, you'll hear more about that if you stick around. Uh, this started with self, but it ends with evil. It started with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'll decide what's good. I'll not humble myself to God. I know for me, my way, my sovereignty is the highest sovereignty. That's where it began. But we're deformed by seeking to serve self. And uh, in time, we are a predator. We are opportunist. We are self-justified, self-indulged, and self-righteous. Like, then, seeks, like, like, seeks, like. And evil, organized and intentional, emerges in your world. The world you create every day by the act of your choices, by the path of your of your heart. Uh, leave, evil thus becomes a, a, a path that all beings with god's touch upon them that are given sovereignty of will willingness to choose all all human beings have evil as a path of possibility Um, if they are of a high enough nature uh, to compete with god in their own minds evil becomes a path of possibility and here's the thing we need to remember we aren't the first ones to do this Um, the bible shows us that challenging god has been a path of spiritual rebellion uh, for not just humanity, but for the heavenly host um, itself. And we best understand these fallen eternal beings created by God as uh, fallen spirits or angels. You can see scriptures like Matthew 25 and 41, Revelations 12, 7 through 9. We don't have clarity here. So if anyone acts like we have clarity, you should, you should caution yourself. Um, what we have is flashes of understanding given to us. Scripturally, and so we don't want to pronounce ourselves the end all and be all of spiritual knowledge when the scripture speaks um, in just flashes of insight, not with a spotlight of clarity. Um, so, what is the unique signifying deal of a uh, symbol, shall we say, or the, the the central essence, the main thing of uh, these evil uh, evil spirits? Now, remember, evil was a path of possibility for all beings who in their mind could compete with God. They believed themselves, they couldn't, but they believed themselves to compete with God. They had enough intelligence to have doubt. They had enough intelligence to have faith. They had enough intelligence to have doubt. They now can choose to humble themselves, and we'll talk about this in just a moment, and place God first and humble themselves and serve others, Uh, but rather they decided they knew best and they, competed with god and ended up with contempt for god and out of these choices becomes an emergent evil it started with potential but now it is organized intent and intentional as um, cynicism and self-justification sets in the result of evil beings whether they are of human of humanity or whether they are of a fallen uh, heavenly uh, host and a spiritual nature um, the central insight to them the thing you need to know is malevolence they intend harm the bible is clear in this they wish you harm they're no longer just exalting themselves i think that's where most people are they just they just think they know best and they're unwilling to humble their spirit but if they if 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 that does not find some repression and submission some um, it can lead to malevolence where uh, they are justified in their trampling on others. Um, they wish you harm. evil spirits seek to lie, steal and kill. Evil people people seek to lie, steal and kill. and not always in the nature of murder, although that's clear in the scripture. Um, that's in their heart even if they don't have the um, even if they don't act it out. Um, because of the laws of the land, but it's in their heart, whether humanity or spirit, to deceive and destroy. As a result, God says they are unclean in their nature, and by the very formative choices of their life, they have become to represent the opposite of the character of the nature and the values of God. Remember, like seeks like. So who are you becoming? You tell me who you are becoming, I will tell you who you will be allied with. So it is with all of us And i just mean that as a teaching example i don't mean i i i can speak with certainty about what you are coming I, my prayer is for all of you to find true spiritual repentance like seeks like they unify together what happens there is emergent values within their unity and they begin as an organized emergent entity to pursue their malevolent ends but remember uh, evil is not the whole of the story because these evil workers uniting around shared values and plans without perhaps knowing what they're doing in every regard begin to establish a kingdom that is anti-God, anti-Christ. God's people and God's kingdom begin to unify around shared purposes and values and they begin to promote a kingdom that is of God, that is uh, seeking to display the character and the heart the heart of God, and that's how we end up, I hope this has been a, uh, I know it's been a little bit long, but I hope it's been a little bit interesting, at least, journey of how we get here. So now we have kingdoms that grind against each other, pushing, resisting, contesting, and what is being contested? This is important. Is God at risk? Is heaven at risk? If the kingdom of evil, pushes back the kingdom of good. Is it heaven that's going to fall? Is it God that's at risk? No, absolutely not. God has won. Evil spirits fell like lightning. What is at risk is the way of our heart. Let me say it differently. What is at risk is what kingdom emerges into your world. Think about that. What world is created by your Logos? In the beginning was the word I, I'm, I'm referring, yes. Your word, your logos, you are made in the image of God. You create a world that is the expression of every decision you make, every choice you make. What is at risk? is not heaven and God. Heaven's not gonna fall. God's not gonna fall. What is at risk is your world and my world. That's what's being fought over. Now, if you don't understand that, um, you'll spend a lot of time in quite dramatic but wasted prayer. If you begin to believe that if you don't pray hard enough, God's kingdom is gonna fail, you're just wasting a lot of prayer. I mean, it's probably good for you, (laughs) but that's, no, no. Uh, you're, You're just, you have a very simplistic theology and you mean well, and I'm very sympathetic to you because I've been you. But God's kingdom is not at risk. What is at risk is the world that emerges through my life, I have to let my light shine. I have to humble myself. I have to take up the cross of my redemptive purpose. My cross. How do I make a broken world whole? And I have to follow in the way of Jesus. All right, so um, the wor- what is at risk in the grinding of the kingdoms is not whether or not God's gonna you know, be destroyed. That's not at risk. What is at risk is the world that is created through our lives. The choices we make, the path we choose of Christ reveals either the kingdom of God or the kingdom of evil in our worlds. What is the path of Christ? Well, I, <laughs> you've heard me say this, denying self. That is the, That self is how all this got started, exalting self. You deny yourself, you embrace your redemptive purpose like Jesus and you follow his way or the opposite, Quite cynically, we make common cause with Lucifer. How do we do that? We prefer the self, we exalt the self. We, <laughs> I think you're understanding I'm beating the drum here. We end up demanding God serve us, not us serve God. And although this, <laughs> this difference in our life can feel subtle and it's not a clear line between rel- who's religious and who's, who's not religious, Jesus is gonna say all the stuff he says about turning away from self to religious people. He's not gonna say it to sinners, he says it to religious people. Anyway, moving on. This difference, can it feels small, but it is huge. And I'll give you an example. So our submitted heart says this, take my life, take my ability, take my hands, take my feet, and make your kingdom come in my world. My hands, my feet, my abilities, my prayers, and your kingdom come in my world. Our Father which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Where are we going with this? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the submitted heart says, take my ability, my time, my resources, and let your kingdom come through me. Conversely, the unsubmitted heart says, give me, help me, serve me. I need to use your power to make my kingdom come. Not use my abilities and resources to make your kingdom come, but I need to use your power to make my kingdom come. That's where heresy is birthed. Because now people, they use the religion they've been given, this great salvation, to make themselves reassured. Not to reassure to, uh, reassure uh, hurting people. To reassure themselves. They'll run the hurting people off. That's how churches turn into uh, gyms where we pose for each other in the mirror, not hospitals where we're there to help other people. It is all the Pharisee problem, the the, the doctrine of the Pharisee. Is it for me or is it for others? And this is what God promises uh, to you. If you'll give, you'll have more than you need. But if you try to hold what you need, you won't have even what you feel like you need. All right, so how is this shown through the whole of the Bible? illustrating it's tied to the character of God, not just New Testament doctrine. Well, it's shown in the two great commandments, which are all the way back to Moses. What are those two great commandments? Uh, love God, all your heart, soul, strength, you get the idea, and your neighbor as yourself. Two things. Number one, both of these are a direct attack on self. And number two, everything else that is written is summed up in these two direct attacks on self. What are those attacks? Stop exalting yourself. Humble yourself. Put God first. <clears throat> Let Him be the one, not you. Number one? How's this? That's the second what's the second assault on self? Serve others. As if it was you. Now everything else, Old Testament, New Testament, is based upon those two truths. And what are they? They are direct assault on the problem of self. And if you don't get this, it doesn't matter how righteous you think you are, doesn't matter how much prophecy you think you know, doesn't matter how much scripture you can quote, none of that matters. If you don't get this, you're not a Christian. Boy, I'm stirring it up tonight, sorry. I want you to see, I want you to see both of the great commandments, Old Testament, New Testament, the foundation of all of this, both of them are directly, it's as though God is saying you have a self problem. Number one, you don't let God be God. Number two, you prefer yourself over others. I want you to see if you wanna follow after Christ, the path is going to be turning from self, exalting God, serving, serving others. Jesus shows us this. He gave up his will for God's will, not my will, thy will be done, shown in Luke twenty-two forty-two. 42. Uh, selflessness is first shown in the great commandment as putting God first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. John the Baptist said it. He must become greater. I must become less. John 3 and 30. In other words, and I'm almost done, more of God, less of us. And second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Not just Old Testament, shown again in the New Testament, Mark 12, 31. Also, the uh, uh, apostolic letters, uh, Galatians 5, 14. In fact, James in his epistle talks that talks about the second commandment of preferring others as He uses this language, the royal law, to emphasize its value, its value to God. Jesus is going to take this idea of anti-self, others, to the extreme. It's like he wants to make this point so strong. He doesn't want anyone to miss this. He wants you to get it. And so the primary uh, doctrine, primary philosophy, primary truth that he gives to all the ages, Is the Sermon on the Mount. And what is he doing? He takes this selfless, this, this, this selfishness aim goal to the extreme. He takes it to the level. He wants to make this point so much that he takes it to the point almost of what seems to the flesh absurdity. He, he says this, not just you should love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus takes it further. You should love your enemies. What? Nobody talks like that. That is absurd, the carnal heart thinks. But Jesus pushes us to the extreme of anti-self. Not just love your neighbor as yourself, but love your enemies. Pray for your persecutors. Man, this is, I think Jesus is trying to make a point here. And Jesus wants to make sure you got this. He says, not to sinners, to religious people, it's easy for you to love a spouse or a friend or uh, someone close to you. Even unbelievers do that, Matthew 5 verse 47. What I'm calling you to do, my way, if you wanna follow me, <laughs> my way is um, uh, much harder than that. Can you love Samaritans? He's gonna tell the story of a good Samaritan. Can you love neighbors? Can you love people who don't share your politics? Can you love your enemies? Yeah. Um, So many self-centered Christians jump through hoops trying to find a way to turn the Sermon on the Mount into something that works better for them. And at the core of it, less of you. Self is your enemy. Humble yourself, exalt God, serve others. Uh, And so, The Christian is expected to love the unlovable as a sign of Christ's change in their heart. And when we do that, we become more like God. We're commanded to give blessings to everyone. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse uh, 44. Um, And more, (laughs) oh man, I, I need to quit. This is the story of Christ. This is the way. If you want to please Christ, this is who you need to be. Forget about religious calculus. Forget about self-perfection. Humble yourself. Put God and His truth and His word as your authority. Worship Him with your breath every day. Serve others. This is the path. Walk ye in it. All right, that's enough. Love you guys. Lord. Bless with your bless your people, give us help, give us strength, give us the ability to do this. Convict us when we're not doing it. Convict us when we come to church and say selfish things about what we need, what we want. We don't. I, I can't imagine how so many of our prayers sound to you, God. Forgive us of that. Help us to do better, including me. Let it start right here. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Quick reminder: starting in the um toward the end of the month uh, we will be uh, providing more resources for our bible study our goal is to resource you for deeper deeper individual study and also discussion questions so you can use the material uh, in your own homes um, when you uh, meet with friends Um, we're still up in the air on how we do it live how we stream it live Um, i i I must confess to you that a lot of people um, are they they like doing it remote it fixes their their schedule uh, a lot and um, my goal is to serve and when I ask you to sacrifice um, it it won't be something like that it'll be something where you're serving others not just self but seems like I've already said that anyway moving along love you God bless you have a great Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you are in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.